Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning. Thank you so much, uh, Dale and Marlon and Taurus and all of you for just a wonderful time of appreciation. It means so much. I speak on behalf of all of us, uh, Gil and Alicia and Lindsay. Um, it was just very, very special. So thanks for all the time and coordinating and, and all it took to do that. We, we were so grateful. Well, how many of you remember these? And be careful now. I'm going to be okay. How many remember, remember this, huh? The old Imagine t-shirts. So we're bringing some things out, and I know for a lot of us, it's kind of tricky to do this with one hand, but I'm, I'm doing it. Um, for a lot of us, this has kind of uh, collected a little dust um, through, can you believe it's been two years? November of 2018 is when this started, and we're, here we are, November of 2020. We had no idea what this two-year imagine journey would be like, did we? But we're so grateful. We're so grateful. And in the next three weeks, we're going to take time to look at the gold, to look at the good things, to look at those things that we need to be thankful for through this journey. And the gold isn't always in the good times. We've had setbacks. Um, Many of us know what those are. We're going to be talking about those But we want to give thanks even in the difficult times because God has taught us a lot through this journey. Well, I just want to remind us where we started. One of our primary goals when we started was that we want every person who calls Grace Crossing Church their church home to be a part of this Imagine initiative. In this time that we come together, we want to heighten the unity of our church around advancing our vision and our mission. So that's where we started out. That was our number one goal, is to get as many involved on this journey as possible. Involved in prayer, involved in letting God stir in you generosity in areas that were stuck or maybe needed to be increased. We're going to talk about, in the third week, a little bit more about the numbers, but We've had a high percentage of people involved, and many of you have been very committed throughout this two-year process. And I'm most thankful for in that, and we're just going to hear a few stories throughout these three weeks, but God has done a lot to help us to be generous, because there's places that we were hanging on to things. There's things that we needed to let go of along the way, and you're going to hear Uh, some of the stories and what God has done um, in that area. And then we had these three focus areas. It's over here. I got them written here. Bolder, bigger, and brighter. And that's where we're going to go with focus areas in these next three weeks. We're going to talk about the bolder. Next week will be bigger, and the following week, brighter. I'm going to come and share with you where I sense God has grown us and stirred in us. So let's, let me first take Boulder. We said, we imagine enlarging our generosity to our core ministry vision over the next two years in an effort to increase the work of God's kingdom through Grace Crossing Church. So we wanted to expand ministry here. Back in November of 2018, 
We had Pastor Ashley, part-time in children's, and Pastor Josh, who gave, I would say, a fifth to a quarter time to youth because of his other responsibilities. And we are asking God to bring in full-time children's director and a full-time youth director. And I'm here to tell you, and you just heard with pastor's appreciation, they are here. I can't, let's give a hand to that. I can tell you, I've, I was involved in the interview process and everything. There is nothing harder than to get really good leaders in your church that can really take these areas to different places. Now, there were setbacks. I'll start with children's. We brought on Lindsay Cohea. She's going to be two years in January. And the setback is COVID and not having a kid's ministry in this past year. And I know that's been really frustrating. And she's been super creative, as Dale has shared. But that's been a setback along the way. The gold in that, the kind of cool thing in that, is she brought a gift set, her and Hamon, to help us with the broadcast ministry and going online. We had no idea we'd be doing that, utilizing her. But she has done so much to help continue to galvanize what Pastor Ashley did and move things forward as best as she could during these times. And then youth. I told you we had Josh here. We've never had a full-time youth ministry director. And we have Ash, uh, Alicia here. And I am so thankful for the gift that she is. And she just got here, so a lot of that is ahead of us. But I'm so excited for the families with teenagers as well as I'm so excited with the, the young families with children and just the gift that these two are to us. And we prayed for them. We gave in order that they might be here. And I want to say thank you to all of you. I want to say thank you to the Lord because there's no greater gift of the gold, if I call it that, than to have really, really strong leaders. And I'm so grateful for that. And as I mentioned, we're going to be sharing stories throughout Coming up, we have Megan and Zach Myers, a young family. They got their little son, Ben. Megan is expecting number two. And they're just going to come up and share as a young family what this journey's been like for them. And the exciting thing is they're a family. They're going to be recipients of both the children's ministry and the youth ministry. So let's give a round of applause to Zach and Megan as they come forward. Gosh, I haven't done this in so long. I have not been on this stage with people here in almost a year. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, anyways, it's so great to be here, guys. Um, we're excited to share our story just for a few minutes. Um, so I want to really start at the beginning. So we, a long time ago, directly out of college, we started having this pull, this idea of giving to the church and giving to the ministry. Um, and I was all about it. I'd been taught from a very young age that that's what you do. You tithe, you give. Um, that's what my parents always taught us. And I brought this idea to my then boyfriend, who we were living together, um, out of college. We were best friends in college, and we'd already been roommates, and we started dating. And then 
we started thinking about giving as a family. And he thought I was insane. I was not on board. No. Um, He was actually really mad at me at this idea of giving away 10% of what was then a terrifyingly, to us, small amount of money directly out of college. We could barely afford our apartment and food. And I brought this idea and it was really, really tough. And we, we struggled with it for a long time, coming to a decision together that this is what we were going to do. And we got there and then God was so faithful with it. Um, fast forward to imagine we decided, yes, we're all in. We want to participate. And the problem was we could not figure out an amount. We couldn't figure out what we were gonna do, what we were gonna commit. At the time I was in sales. So my income was all over the place. Um, So giving a percent didn't really make sense. Giving a dollar amount really didn't make sense. We really struggled with it. And we finally uh, came up with our plan. We felt like God really gave us what we wanted to do. Um, And at the time, to be honest, we were making more than we'd ever made in our lives. And we were so excited to just amp up our generosity. Um, And we based our commitment off of that. But then something crazy happened. I chose to leave my job. Um, I chose to put our family first. I was spending a ton of time at work. It was crazy. I was driving an hour to an hour and a half every day to Cincinnati to go to work. Um, I was leaving the house at like 5.45 and getting home at 5.45. Um, And it was kind of tough. Like we were making amazing money. It was great, but it was tough. So I left. I took another role in, in my company, which I love, Um, but all of that in our mind, dollar amount we'd made our imagined commitment off of was gone, Uh, not completely gone, but significantly gone. Um, and you know, a long time ago, my dad had sat us down and talked to us and, and taught us as an early engaged couple about, about giving. Um, and he told us all of these stories about how they started giving and then they started, God provided more, more money, more margin. And what's so funny for us, and actually he didn't even know I was going to say this. Um, I, I was thinking about it while life was speaking earlier. God for us didn't technically provide more margin. God provided more blessing. God provided more time together. I'm going to cry because I'm pregnant. God provided a baby that we didn't think we were ever going to be able to have. And now too, God provided a family that wasn't supposed to be possible. And through Imagine, I mean, I can't help but a lot of that had to do with the leap of faith that we made and the commitment that we kept, even though technically what we based it off of didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, So thank you. (laughs) I didn't know she was going to say all that. She has a script and I don't. Um, So she was going to talk to you guys about the financial side of it. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about the heart side of it. Um, throughout Imagine, two years ago, again, we were, we were making more than we had ever made, and we thought we were comfortable. The amount that we were going to give was comfortable, and that's where we were. And then God kind of threw us for a loop, and, and, and he changed our hearts to say that money wasn't that important. Your things aren't that important. The things that are important is your quality time together, your time with your family, your time with your loved ones, and we didn't have enough of that. 
So not only did Megan step down from her role, but over the past two years, I stepped down from my role. And in March, I, I left my, my career to be a full-time dad. We, don't, we didn't have the, the money to cover it. We didn't, but God has blessed us. He's blessed us with the opportunities that we've had for, for me to come and, and be part of this family and be part of this team and to actually get paid for what I love to do, which is worship. And to be able to bring that to you guys, is, it's, it's a gift. The blessings that we've received over the last two years can't be quantified. Um, not in a dollar amount, not in you know anything earthly, but we feel it. We feel it in our hearts. We know it's here. Um, so yeah, and, and we're here at the, at the very end and somehow, some way, um, you know, through what we've been able to put together, you know, we're, we're still going to meet the commitment that we made when we were making so much more than what we had now. And it's, it's, it's God's work. You know, God is the reason God has provided and we're going to make it. I don't really understand how. To be completely honest, I have no idea, but we're here and we're so thankful for the blessings that God has provided and so thankful to the church for giving us the the push, the inspiration um, to step somewhere where we didn't plan on stepping. Well, this morning, excited to be able to lead us through these next three weekends when we talk about uh, our imagined culmination and what God has been doing, what God has been doing in Grace Crossing Church, what God has been doing in our lives individually. So I've picked a a passage, one verse of scripture that actually is going to frame our next three weekends. Um, It's actually an interesting parable that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse number 44. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had, and he bought that field. This is one of the shortest parables that Jesus ever tells. But I think it's one of his most profound parables. Because although the shortest, this parable would have piqued the curiosity and the interest of Jesus' audience. In ancient times, it was not uncommon for a person of wealth to place their treasure in the earth and hide it. They were trying to keep it from governments confiscating it or keep enemies from stealing it. In those days, there were no federally insured banks to place your money or to place your wealth. And so Jesus, understanding the culture and understanding that many people in that culture were living with that constant expectation that maybe, just maybe, I will stumble upon a field. And somewhere in that field, I'm going to strike it rich. In fact, every village in those days throughout Palestine had stories of people that found wealth and almost became rich overnight. And what Jesus does in this amazing parable is he compares the kingdom of heaven, the life of God, to something that is valuable beyond measure, but is not readily accessible. 
Something that the plain eye, the natural eye, cannot see. Something of great worth that if you're not paying attention to it, you'll actually walk right beyond it, right over it. You will pass it by and you'll miss the hidden treasure that is in it. Let me give you the big idea for this series. God's most precious treasures are often the hidden ones. God's most precious treasures are often the hidden ones. I believe that to be true of Imagine. I don't think the greatest gifts of Imagine are what we've been able to accomplish. I think the greatest gifts of Imagine are the things God has accomplished in us. I think the greatest gifts of Imagine is the work that God has been doing inside of us to trust him, to believe him for something beyond ourselves, to move into a relationship, a trust relationship with God that is beyond our natural eyes that we can't figure out. Don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for all that God has done through us collectively. But if we're not careful, what we will do is we will look at what we didn't accomplish and we'll miss the gifts, the hidden treasures of what God wants to accomplish and has accomplished in us. I'll tell you one of my hidden treasures that emerged after 30 years of an estranged relationship. I had no relationship with my mom for nearly 30 years. And during Imagine, early on, God moved me back into a relationship with my mom that has been so special and so precious. I recently, just a few weeks ago, was in Pennsylvania and had the chance to visit with my mom. We had to do it physically distance. I had to make an appointment. You could only see her for 30 minutes in an assisted living home. But here's a picture of my physically distanced visit with Mama Dukes, as I like to call her. It's a gift. It was a hidden treasure that I could have never imagined, that I could have never anticipated. But what God was beginning to do as I was moving into deeper trust is God was moving things in my life that I couldn't see, that were hidden from me. Let me remind you of something I said throughout our Imagine journey several times. Imagine is not a fundraising strategy. Imagine is a faith-building initiative. I want to remind us of that. Because never in Imagine was the object simply to raise funds. It was to raise our faith. It was to raise our level of trust in God, to believe him. And so here's the question. What happens when what you believed God for doesn't come to pass as quickly or as readily as you would imagine it? I mean, we waited months and months for God's plan for a youth director to emerge here at a Grace Crossing Church. We had one for a very short period of time that we thought was the answer, and we still believe we heard from God in that. But it wasn't as long-term as we anticipated. And then God gave us something that we couldn't have imagined. So what do we do when what we imagine, what we want, 
maybe doesn't materialize as quickly or even exactly like we plan. Let me me just pose a couple of questions to you for you to ponder here. If a prayer doesn't get answered, does it mean that God doesn't answer prayer? Let me personalize it. If my prayer doesn't get answered, does it mean God doesn't answer prayer? What about if a person who is sick doesn't get healed? Does it mean God doesn't heal? What if a vision doesn't materialize the way that I anticipated it would, hoped it would, planned it would? Does it mean that that wasn't God's vision? Does it mean God was not in that? And I don't believe that to be the case. I think there are things that God is doing beyond what our natural eyes can see. There are hidden treasures in the seasons of our life that we move through, that we've been moving through with Imagine, that we've been trusting God for, even though our natural eyes maybe aren't seeing things as we had planned. I think the prophet Habakkuk gives us incredible insight into this. It's a verse that has informed me in the past as it relates to vision. Because when you have to step out in faith and you have to present a vision, you recognize sometimes that, man, what if it doesn't happen exactly the way we believed for it? Can I trust God as a leader in those moments? That God is in it, that God is moving, that it was God's vision even if it wasn't God's timing the way we thought. So here's what Habakkuk says, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets so that the one who reads it may run. That's what we did with Imagine. What we did is we brought a vision, we put it on cards, we put it on vision statements, we put it on banners, we put it on on digital material. We said, this is where we're going. We're lifting this high. We believe God is leading us to this particular vision. And we began to run together. We began together to link arms and not just trust God, but trust each other. That we will follow the way that the Lord is leading But the very next verse, here's what Habakkuk says. This is what the word word of the Lord is to him. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries toward the goal. It will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will not delay long. One of the greatest tensions, and I think this scripture illustrates the tension. One of the greatest tensions we carry in our life is the tension between a vision and its fulfillment. The tension between a hope believed and a hope achieved. In fact, as I understand scripture and as I read scripture, what I've become completely convinced of is this. We live the vast, overwhelming majority of our lives in that tension. The tension between a vision that God has given and the fulfillment of the vision. 
a hope that we believe for and that hope being achieved. Some of the greatest accomplishments in our world have been the result of holding the tension between a vision and its fulfillment. In the early 1900s, Wilbur and Orville Wright had a vision. Their vision was to create an aircraft, a flying machine, that could take people into the sky. They believed that it was possible. And the Wright brothers would often come back to Dayton from Kitty Hawk, and they would bring pictures of what they had accomplished at Kitty Hawk in their flights. They would actually want to take it and have the press report it. And the press response for years to the Wright brothers was very simple. You really don't have anything spectacular here to report. I mean, this is hard for us to believe, but in those days, this was the prevailing sentiment. If it was true, it was in the press. If it was accurate, it was in the press. So the prevailing sentiment was, if it didn't get reported in the press, then it likely wasn't that significant. In fact, the managing editor of what was known as the the Dayton Journal at the time, Luther Beard, actually responded to the Wright brothers, and this is actually put in a memorial at the Huffman Prairie Flying Field. I, I have a picture of it to show you this morning. Here's here's what they said. They said, I often, and I don't think we got the top part of this, but they said, I often see the Wright brothers coming to this flying field, and I've often felt sorry for them. They seemed like well-meaning, decent enough young men, yet there they were, neglecting their business to waste their time day after day on that ridiculous flying machine. I had an idea that it must worry their father. Fast forward 40 years. General Hap Arnold, who was a graduate of the Wright Aviation School and is known as the father of the Air Force, said this. He said, the Wright brothers gave me a sense that nothing is impossible. I love that. The Wright brothers gave me a sense that nothing is impossible. Let me remind you of our catalyst verse as we land the plane this month on Imagine. The catalyst verse is reminding us exactly what Hap Arnold said about the Wright brothers. Here it is from the message, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. God can do anything you know, far more than, than we could ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. Do we believe that? Do we believe the words of this, that God can do anything? Those words are just as true today as they were in November of 2018 when we began Imagine. Those words are as true today as they were when they were penned back in the first century. Those words are as true today and nothing in our circumstances changes those things. But here's the truth. 
When we are placed in a position of having to wait prayerfully and wait patiently, when we are in between the vision and its fulfillment, in between the hope believed and the hope achieved, we can become impatient. We can begin to say, God, if you don't do it the way we think you should or the way we believed you would, then perhaps we missed your vision. We didn't know when we began to imagine what we all know today about COVID. We didn't know a lot of the uncertainties that were going to come into our culture as a result of a pandemic. But what I want to challenge us with today is simply this. There is hidden treasure in Imagine that we're going to miss if we allow our impatience to keep us from trusting God. Because here's the deal about trust. Trust only works when you have something to doubt. That's when we express and that's when trust is really experienced the most, right? When we are having something that stands in doubt. We, we put our trust to work. We engage our trust. And so much of the scripture that I read is calling God's people to wait prayerfully and to wait patiently for God to act. The author of Hebrews, who actually writes in one of his chapters about these great patriarchs and matriarchs of old, actually says this at the end of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. This is pretty profound. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 39. These were all, who? All of those who were filled with faith, who believed God, who trusted God's vision, who believed that everything they had hoped for was possible. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. None of them received what was promised. That's a, that's a difficult verse, if I'm being honest, to swallow. Because I want what's promised. I want God to deliver on what I believed for, right? It's a hard verse. And then the author, two verses later, says this in chapter 12, verse number one. Since we are all surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, the sin that so easily entangles. Now, let me camp here for just a minute. This verse has always sort of puzzled me. Because I've asked myself from time to time, what possibly could be the sin that so easily entangles? It is not a sin, it is the sin that so easily entangles. And I have held this and I've pondered this before God. And, and more recently, I've been studying this scripture in its context and I'm starting to see what God is saying about the sin that so easily entangles. Because on one side of this verse, it is flanked by the great patriarchs of old, the matriarchs of old who believed God and yet none of them got what was promised. On the, on the other side of it, we read about Jesus and it says this in verse number two of chapter 12. Looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
And what it's telling us is this. Jesus had to hold on to hope that was deferred. He had to believe in a joy that was coming, but he had not yet experienced, which means he was still going to have to suffer. The goodness was going to be prolonged. The answer was going to be, was going to be out there into the future, but for him, he was going to have to endure and suffer hardship, though it is not what he wanted. He was going to have to wait patiently. And as I've held this in context, here's what I believe. The sin that so easily entangles is. I believe that the sin that so easily entangles is immediate gratification. I believe it is the demand that we get what we believe we deserve and what we believe we are owed by God on our timetable instead of trusting God for his timetable. And I believe that sin is the one that trips up believers more than just about any others. The sense that we've got to demand immediate gratification or else perhaps we won't wait. I think with Imagine, what I'm learning is what I've learned through my entire life. And that is, and I think COVID has really brought this into clear focus for all of us. I'm learning that I control very little about what happens. All I can do is I can listen to what God is saying. We can share what we believe God is saying. And then we can be obedient to what we believe God is inviting us into. That is my responsibility. It's also your responsibility. And as we do this together, I believe we can do exactly what the man did while we're waiting patiently, while we're waiting prayerfully, we can do what the man did in the parable Jesus told. We can respond in two ways. We can respond with gratitude and we can respond with generosity. I want you to think about it. He actually knew the treasure was there and instead of taking the treasure, he in his joy, in his gratitude, sells everything and buys the field. Why buy the field? Because the field contained hidden treasure. It contained something of great value. And it was hidden, but he had found it. And he was trusting God. And he's responding with gratitude and with generosity. Listen, imagine as an initiative is coming to a culmination. It is coming to a conclusion. We're landing the plane on the initiative but we are by no means landing the plane on generosity. Generosity is a value that we have placed in our values here at Grace Crossing Church. And here's why we've done it. We believe that God has been so generous to us that the only response to his generosity is gratitude out of which flows generosity. And we talk about this at Grace Crossing Church. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Let me add to it this morning. It is impossible to be spiritually mature and not be generous. According to Scripture, it is impossible to be a spiritually mature, fully surrendered follower of Jesus and yet not be a generous person. The Scripture teaches it. So what happens when we are grateful? The more grateful we are, the more generous we become. And the more generous we become, the more grateful we become. That's how it works. 
And I invite us as we come out of this first week of this culmination to ask ourselves this treasure. For what am I to be thankful for that has been hidden within this imagined initiative for me? For what can I be thankful for as a result of this imagined initiative? What is it God has done in my life that I can celebrate, that I can thank God for? How has he stretched me and stretched my faith and in the process made me a more solid follower of Christ? How has God graced me with his presence, his gifts that maybe I would have missed if I'm not looking for them? And then how can I respond to that? And the way I encourage us to respond is the way the man did. Filled with joy. And he goes out, he sells everything, and he gives it to buy the field. Next weekend, I'm going to share with you some of the stories of our journey at Grace Crossing Church. Many of you don't know the journey of this church. It's been, it's been remarkable, the things God has done for us. And many of you are here as recipients of the work and the grace and the hidden treasures that God brought to us when we could have never imagined how God was going to do it. So as we pray this morning, what are you still imagining for? Do not stop imagining. Do not stop believing. Do not stop hoping I invite you to join me and join our leadership in saying, God, we're going to still believe. We're still going to hope even when we have to move into a season of waiting patiently and waiting prayerfully because that's the tension we carry in this life. And how well we carry that will determine whether God can look at us someday and say, these were people of faith who trusted me even though they maybe didn't get exactly what they had thought was promised in this life. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're doing in my heart, in the heart of this church, because our heart has a beat to it. We have a collective heart here. And I pray more than anything else that our collective heart would be one of gratitude and would be one of generosity. It would be one of overwhelming gratitude and ridiculous generosity because, Lord, you've been so good to us. Help us, Lord, even in the midst of this pandemic, not to miss the hidden treasures that are in this. Because there are some beautiful treasures that you've given to us in this time of changing our pace, changing our rhythm, changing the way we're doing things. God, there there are gifts and treasures in that that we're going to miss if we become impatient. So help us to trust you. Help us, Lord, I pray to continue to anchor our faith deeply in your promise to us. We pray it in Christ's name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.